Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Come Along Pond, a Doctor Who discussion podcast with your best friends, Elliot and Zamla. Oh my God, how are you? I am so good. I'm so good. I'm so good because always happy to be recording Doctor Who content with you. Obsessed. It brings me so much joy. I'm just... Do you know what? I'm also really happy for another reason. And that reason being, we got our first email. We have our first email from someone who is not a friend or family member IRL. This is an email from a stranger. This is from a person who actually took the time out of their day to listen to our silly, goofy, hot girl chats about Doctor Who. And I'm actually... I'll be honest, I read this email and... I was, it made my evening because I we got it in we read it in the evening, didn't we? And like, oh yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I think I, I got it shortly after it was sent. Weirdly, my uh, inboxes have all decided to collide uh, in, on my phone on my phone now, so they were separate. Now they're all together. So I saw it in my normal email, and I was very confused. Then I opened it and realised it's for the pod, uh, yeah. and I read it and was very very happy, and then sent it immediately to Tamla. It's. Can can you just read it? Can you just read it, please? I will. Uh, the sender has not stipulated anonymity, but I will use his first name just in case he doesn't want his full name read out, which yeah. is absolutely fine. And if you do, it's fine. We'll shout it out on social media. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, and it reads as follows. Hello, D&E. 
just popping an email in because I love the podcast. I've literally spent the whole week binging every app. Saw you two first on TikTok. I knew this podcast was a place for me to have every one of my Doctor Who opinions validated. Except for Elliot's end of the world slander. You're wrong for that. Disagree, Lewis. <laughs> I will say I'm going to miss the Series 1 intro that you created. She's an egg. But looking forward to the Camp Goldmine that will be the Series 2 one. Anyway, love you two. Love the pod. And from one love monsters enjoyer to two others. I can't wait for you two to cover it. That's from Lewis. Lewis. Uh... I think... What I love most about that is that it's basically almost messages that I will send to you because the Series 1 intro that Daniel created is astounding. Thank you so much. Basically with Lewis, because the Series 1 intro that Daniel created, I can't take any credit for it, Daniel created it and it is fantastic. I absolutely love it. Thank you. But so is the Series 2 one, as you will have heard by now. Yeah. Also fantastic. Always take a banana to a party, Rose. <laughs> uh, okay, I've been... Ooh. In a boot. I've been oot in a boot. Hoots, mon. <laughs> I love it. But honestly, thank you. I mean, thank you so much. It's it's so lovely to receive any kind of correspondence, but especially to say such nice words. It really um, made our days, yeah. evenings, weeks, months, year. Made my year. Humbled me to the bottom of my heart. Um, I'm going to get printed wrong. out and laminated. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna frame it and put it above my podcasting desk. It's Lewis. We love you. Yeah, and get uh, get involved. Comment on things. You know, we'll, we're always very chatty anyway. But you know, if you've got other opinions you want validated, you can chat with us casually. I don't want you to think we're we're weird, unapproachable. You know, if you comment under a, one of our many pieces of content on Instagram, someone from the podcast, whether it be me or Dan, will reply to you. I mean. If you yeah, so if you want to send an email, please send an email. We will always read emails out at the start of the pod, unless you disclose otherwise that you don't want us to. Then we won't, obviously. Yeah, we we. I mean, speaking of like, you know, emails and comments and things like that, TikTok. So TikTok is a thing that we decided to venture into, so we could get some more listeners on the pod, and to say that it's going well in itself makes me very happy because we thought genuinely we would not get like maybe we the maximum we'd get is like maybe 300 views on a tiktok four likes no comments just consistently no comments no no engagement no nothing but my lord you you lot really like a factoid slash hot take about a costume or <laughs> harriet jones supremacy content you know what i mean like anything like just the amount of different comments we've gotten and like mostly positive, some negative. I mean, I've I've had many, uh, many a male try and mansplain time travel to me this last week. And you know what? It's so funny because it's like, shut up, no one cares. Well, he wasn't saying that time travel is impossible. What you're trying to communicate was the idea that if the ninth Doctor hasn't literally seen his reflection then how has he also managed to cram all those things in without passing just a window yeah. once? So we were saying we're aware of how time travel works. Damner especially is aware of how time travel works. And I, uh, yeah, I know TikTok is its own thing. Also, it's not real. Time travel isn't yeah. real. I'm sorry to break it to you. It's not real. So stop mansplaining time travel to me. It's not quirky and it's not fun. <laughs> no, like, and I'm sure that the people who mansplain time travel don't listen to this podcast because I'm sure they're annoyed by various other things that we talk about. Yeah. But 
you know, we just... Two massive queers talking about Doctor Who. God, they would hate it. But, uh, you know, we hate the misogyny. So we hate stop. the misogyny, yeah. Um, but, you know, apart from that, we've had some really lovely comments. Like, you know, people being like, oh, thank you, TikTok, for, like, leading me to my new favourite podcast, things like that. Just reading stuff like that warms my little heart. And um, as if this was constructive criticism in a class, I'm going to do one positive and one negative. Uh, one positive, again, similar to the intros. I can't really take any credit for this. It was all down to idea. I don't really know how TikTok works. She's really pushing for it, and I had no objections to it, of course, because why would I? That would be insane. But it was her brainchild, and it's definitely been the best performing thing, so I have to say thank you for that. Uh, second is there has been a few comments asking why it's not called the Come Along Pondcast, uh, and uh. that's because I suggested it, and Damla hates puns, and she hates fun. So uh, that's yeah. why... <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. It's love, love her for the TikTok. Guys. Blame her for the no. It is more searchable. She's right. I, I, I said it as a little goof, uh, and then <laughs> yeah. But people have said that repeatedly, uh, and I'm very much on team pun. If you want to colloquially call us the Come Along Podcast, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, you can call us that. I mean, it's not our actual name, but you can call us that if you want. Yeah, just don't try searching for us on various platforms, such as. Patreon? What? What? We have Patreon? My God. We we do. We have a Patreon. Just, just opening my tab now. Oh my God, yeah, we do. Wow, look at that. That's a, that's a Patreon. <laughs> oh, we set, we set this up. Um, not to pressure anybody into giving us any money at all, because we would hate that. There is currently only one... Membership tier available is the lowest one, which Patreon currently offer, which is £3, and you get just a shout-out. You get your name shouted out and a thank you on the show, because that's all we want to do. I don't, We don't want to lock any content behind this paywall. We don't want to pretend that we're more important than we are, but if you feel like in some way you wanted to support us going above and beyond rather than just listening and engaging with our content, which is all we really need from you, then yeah. the option is there. We will start linking it in show notes and it will be on the end slides of TikToks and in our link tree. Yeah. The option is there, people. It it's going it's it's basically there because obviously we're both working people. This isn't our full time job. God I wish it was. That would be a lark and the best thing ever. Um but we you know not that we don't sound fantastic, but <laughs> We could sound better, get some better mics, you know, and just kind of if you yeah. So if you want to support us in any way, you don't again no pressure to do this. It's the options there if you want to do it. No content is locked behind a paywall. It's just you know you'll get a shout out at the end if you decide to sign up. So, yeah. Yeah, Melissa, no pressure. No pressure at all. But that is pretty much it for our sort of odd admin segment. Uh, yeah, no news this week. No news, uh, except for me to say very quickly, I've watched The Abominable Snowman animation. It's very good. I could afford it, finally. Enjoyed it. Recommend, if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, and if you're listening to the man that I bumped into in HMV who started talking to me about Doctor Who, you're very lovely. Thank you so much. That's, that's, that's such a wholesome story. It is. Maybe we'll do, we'll do a breakdown of that one day. It's too much to go into now, but it was, it was a lovely afternoon. Oh, I'm glad that was a good experience. But with that, I think we should uh, we'll just get straight into the episode. Into the new, 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 new episode. New, new Doctor.
But yeah, today we are talking about episode one, series two. Officially, it's episode one, kind of, sort of, because there's the Christmas invasion. Actually, I probably should have. How did we? How did we enter at the Christmas invasion? Did we call that series two, episode one? I think we called it like the first. It, look, does it? It doesn't I, matter. It's 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 series two. It's fine. It's the beginning. We series go. two, episode one. Ish. Properly, new Earth. New Earth. Broadcast on the fifteenth of April two thousand six. It was directed by James Hawes and written by Russell T Davis. So, Elliot, before we get into it, I know what this episode's about. I know what Google thinks it's about. I know what IMDb thinks it's about. Hell, I know what T. Davies thinks it's about. But, my love, what do you think this episode's about? This episode is about no matter how much you love them, no matter how much you think they're going to look after you, no matter how fucking adorable they are, ultimately, cats are going to fuck you over. They're little bitches. From a from a cat owner and lover myself. Yeah, me too. They they will betray you at any chance. If you don't have treats and you don't have anything for them, they will just hate you and perform sabotage on you. Actually, it would have been very funny if Tennant had have had like dreamies in his pocket for them. Yeah, if he had dreamies, that it feels probably very... would have been fine, but he didn't. He didn't. It feels very easy. Moffat 11, though, personally. So. Yeah. But anyway, what do you think it's about? I think it's about the importance of having a little shop in any establishment. Gotta have a little shop. Honestly, though, I'm not just saying that. I genuinely love a gift shop. I actually really do. It makes me happy. Like, the other day I went to a museum and we barely looked at the exhibit. We only went there for, like, the restaurant, right? And uh, we were walking around... And I kept looking for the gift shop because I was dying to see what they had. If you've any of you have been listening to any of the previous episodes, you will know that this was the first ever episode of Doctor Who I ever consumed on broadcast day. And my life actually changed forever. I can't even imagine. I'll tell you what it was, right? I saw the trailer, the Series 2 trailer of... David and Billy in the TARDIS and it just looks really cool and I was saying to my mum I was like oh I want to watch this new show that's coming out like it's called Doctor Who or something because I didn't obviously I had no idea about any of it and I uh, put on New Earth and it simultaneously scared me made me lose sleep but fascinated me to no end and I was hook line and sinker from that day forward it's it's such a such a good episode to start with as well. This is actually a fucking good episode. I'm sorry, it really is. Yeah, again, the you know, not that anybody has access to this, this, but you know, if someone was to break into my phone and find my text messages to tell them that there was a message last night that just says, "If you hate New Earth, you hate fun." Yep. Yep. Because it's true. It falls into the category of like love and monsters. Idiot's Lantern. Yeah, Idiot's Lantern. You know, oh god. Uh, like I think I think we talked about this during the Christmas invasion. But basically, series two is always consistently good because even in its bad, I have massive quote marks around bad episodes, it's having so much fun. It's ambitious. It's so good. And it's I ambitious, love it. if anything. 
And you can't even say that it's nostalgic getting to me because this was my second series and I think that I was very mixed on a lot of content from series one. Um, and I'm going to mix on some content from um, series three, but also a lot from series four as well. I like I like all of it, but you know, like I mix on lots of stuff. There's just something about series two; it just scratches the itch for me. That yeah, no, it it, it it's just that part of my brain that I really yeah. enjoy. Uh, but I, this obviously wasn't my first episode, but I do yeah. actually really have a lot of nostalgia for it because I remember. So if you listened to the Christmas Invasion, which you should have, um, I would have talked about watching it on Christmas Day with my family and only being able to remember one specific moment. Similar with this, I remember watching the episode with, I think, just my dad and my brother, but watching it on broadcast, like, night as it was coming out and just being very excited because my favourite little telly program is back. I have more specific memories of Series 2 happening yeah. than I do of Series 1. I have very patchy memories of Series 1. Yeah. Series 2, I was in primary school. Yeah, same. So I think that's why a lot of my memories are more tied to having fun with other people in my class who like Doctor Who. Uh, So there are some episodes coming up that I will occasionally unlock a a little childhood memory. But yeah, I just remember cuddling on the sofa and watching New Earth. This was the awakening of my bisexual panic. Genuinely, Billy Piper and David Tennant, i I got to hand it to you because you really did that. You really did that. The star... She goes into the TARDIS and they just share like a little smile that is, I mean, out of this world. The flirting in this episode is at an all-time high. The flirtometer, the flirtometer, which I'm introducing now, she's yeah. off the charts. Because, And I understand, I, I guess I understand why people don't like that kind of thing. But I love it. It fills me with so much joy. Uh, you know, I don't want to skip ahead, but um, when they're sat on the clifftop, that... One of my notes is literally, oh my god, they're such a couple now, because yeah. when the Doctor mentions the end of the world, and then Rose goes, that was our first date, and then the Doctor just like looks so lovingly into her eyes, and he's like, we had chips. I was like, oh my god, they are just a couple. They're adorable. A slightly cringy, very adorable couple. Apple grass. Apple grass. Oh, I love it. I mean, slightly, slightly backtracking for two seconds... No, we need to backtrack. We need to backtrack. So, one question I have. How are Mickey and Rose still together? Please explain it to me. Because, you know, the Doctor's starting up the TARDIS. You've got these lovely shots. Very moody. Very moody. And then Murray's score is just doing the most. Westminster Bridge is back. Actually scores a lot of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, which I hadn't realised. And it's amazing. And um, obviously, Rose is getting ready to go in the TARDIS, whatever. She's got her bags packed. Um, and she kisses Mickey goodbye. And I was like, you two still aren't dating, surely. There is no... Don't they even say, like, love you? Well, no, Mickey says, I love you. And Rose says, bye. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah, that's so rude. <laughs> I mean, it's like... I thought, at this point... It would be, it would probably, obviously they're doing it to add tension and have a triangle moment later on. That's what they're doing to get in the regular audience viewers at the time. But like, it would have made way more sense narratively to just have Mickey, you know, just say bye to her because obviously they're still close. They're basically like family, you know, because they're so close and like, yeah, all of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. But then something, something I do like in that 
scene, though, was she saying goodbye to Mickey. Something I've not really noticed before that carries a thread over on from series one. Just Jackie, again, crying, walks away. Sad. She's very yeah. sad. And I sort of forgot, because this series is a bit more involved and... No, it is, we, yeah. Because Mickey comes along, we don't see so much of the Powell estate anymore. Um, and it does feel a lot more detached from that. Still works, but you know we just see a lot less of it. Um, so I forgot that it does sort of carry that over, really. Especially because a lot of the times we see Jackie then towards the end of the series, she's kind of more at peace with it. You know, in Love and Monsters and Army of Ghosts and things, she's a lot more at peace with Rose traveling. But yeah. she's sad again. I mean, you would be even if you're at peace with it, right? Watching your daughter leave, upsetting. And again, if you're not aware, this is a Jackie Tyler fan podcast, so we will always defend yeah. Jackie Tyler and in ex- and by extension Camille Kaduri, always. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's always really sad to see Jackie look so sad. I have a, a question up top, though. No, what do you think this is? Absolutely not. No, I'm joking, go on. Wow. Um, this is what I have to deal with. This is what you have to deal with. <laughs> um... Is it is it just me? Am I crazy? What do you think, people at home? And Daniel, did you notice this? Go on. How unbelievably crisp the delivery of David Tennant's further than we've ever gone before line is. It's so much cleaner in the mix than everything else. Do you want to know why that is? Please. Is it dubbed? It, is it, it's is ADR, it dubbed? babe. Yeah, it's so horribly... Crisp. Painfully ADR. <laughs> Like so I didn't I, know that for I didn't know that for a fact. That makes sense that it's ADR, but why make it so obviously ADR? Because everything else sounds so natural, and then you just further than we've ever gone before. Really clear. Actually, it's horrible. There's actually a lot of ADR in this episode, and I'll tell you how I know this. One, there I've is. watched this episode. A disgusting. This is my most rewatched episode of Doctor Who, along with the uh, series three finale and the series four finale. These are my most rewatched things. Um, and there's so much ADR in this episode but also there is someone on YouTube I don't know who they are but whoever you are we thank you you are a godsend they have basically got the stem so the maybe like the the dialogue in the effect stems separate from the music in Doctor Who and they've gotten rid of the music and you can basically have the episode without the music underneath and I use that sometimes when, like, when I used to make fan edits, you know, fun, 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 fun <laughs> times. Or, like, even if in the podcast I want to add a little quote in from the episode and I just want it to be clean, I'll use that. Um, and I was using the beginning quote of the episode to put in the intro for series two, and I, I just, it was so painfully aware that it was ADR. Like, I understand why there's ADR in the scene where they're on the cliffs. Yeah, obviously. The wind and everything, I guess it. Don't understand why that's ADR'd. It's not the most egregious moment. The most egregious moment is much later on. And if we're talking about ADR, I don't mind jumping forward slightly. It's when they're walking through the foyer of the hospital and there's just an overhead shot. And Billy Piper's very clearly not talking, but she's just got dialogue. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the only one where well, that is very, very, very clearly ADR and it's badly handled. This one's just weird and wobbly, but it's so, so clean. Going back to buy panic for a second. <laughs> always, always buy panic. Buy panic is the focus of this podcast. 
the shower scene <laughs> may have awoken something in me when I was younger that I didn't know was there, to be really honest. Uh, watching yeah, watching both of them get showered down is is an incredible experience. Ward twenty six, thanks. <laughs> Sorry, the way she says thanks is yeah, is wonderful. Billy is so good at acting tour de force. Honestly, this is the thing. It would have actually been a concern of mine if I was a producer on Doctor Who at the time. I'd be like, you know, this is David Tennant's first proper like obviously he had his first proper so Christmas Invasion, but this is him being the Doctor from start to finish, first proper time introduction. Billy may or may not be seeing the spotlight from our main character. Apparently, she had requested to Russell that she did more comedy because she felt a lot of because she felt the Rose's material in Series One was so very dramatic a lot of the time, which it is. Which is. And she wanted to flush her out more and try some comedy, and I'm really glad that she suggested that because Billy Piper is a, the extraordinary comedic actress. And do you know what they did? They decided to get her to embody Zoe Wanamaker's gorgeous voice and amazing just personality. I right. Zoe Wanamaker does not get enough love in general, in my opinion. Like, everyone's like, oh, she played Madam Hooch. Shut up. First of all, she played Susan Harper in my family. Get your facts straight. So she where I knew her from originally. Yeah, as you should, because that's she's incredible in it. And my family is the best sitcom to ever exist. Second of all, she played Cassandra in Doctor Who. Madam Hooch doesn't even compare to any of these characters. Yeah. She's great in this. So I want to make it, even though she's mainly just a voice for it. And obviously, she appears at the end, but just want to chuck it in there now. Cassandra, no, no, definitely. Zoe want to make her great. The cast, I mean, the cast are just on form in this because David and Billy are doing amazing impressions of Zoe Wanamaker. Zoe Wanamaker is doing great work. Uh, of course, it's the first glimpse as well we get of uh, Adoja Ando, who obviously would play Martha Jones's mother. She's in this as cat lady. Everyone, even like the guy who plays Duke of Manhattan. Wait, right, so Martha's mum, the actress plays Martha's mum, which cat is she? She's the slight sort of prickly one, so she's not She's not the one who's looking after the face of Bo, and she's not... Um, she's not she's, um, Novice Haim, she's... Yeah, and she's not the... Um, is it Matron Casp or something? Yeah, so she's not, she's not Matron Casp, she's the other one who spends time with Matron Casp. Yeah, so it's uh, Sister Jack she plays. But like she's a very prominent character in the episode. Like when you, I had when, no idea. Sorry, yeah, I just assumed. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a dojo, and uh, yeah, I had no idea she was in this episode. That's insane. I genuinely just found out now. That's insane. That's how versatile she is as an actor. Wow, but yeah, no, yeah, the cast are just <sighs> yeah. So yeah, uh, Mike, yeah, Michael Fitzgerald who plays Duke of Manhattan. I mean, Sean Gallagher who plays Chip. Chip. These are all amazing, amazing performances. Sweet Lord, I'm a walking doodle. Save it. But I'll save it. But yeah, uh, no, Lord, I'm a walking doodle. <laughs> I don't know, but with whatever it is, the... the certainly my finest tower and certainly my finest hat. My finest hat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so fun. Going back. I mean, do we just talk about Rose's outfit now? Because I feel like we're just expected now. I feel like on TikTok, we're now known for the people who just talk about outfits in Doctor Who. Okay, but she has many looks in this episode. So can you tell me your favourite variation of the look? Because I want to see if it coincides with mine. My favourite look is at the end when she's got that amazing updo. She looks fucking great. Uh, is a 
incredible. Is that your favourite? I, I, I'd forgotten about that. It is a very close second. For me, it's uh, when she arrives on uh, Ward 26, Thanks. in quotation marks, <laughs> uh, and Chip is there to greet her. Uh, so she's just wearing the jacket, everything that she's wearing from the start, but she has the metal pole in her hand. Iconic. Just amazing. This way, Rose Tyler. Sorry, I just, I just can't. I'm going to have to stop quoting this fucking episode. Because there's just so many things I like about that. I like that her first response is to arm herself. She's realised, obviously, very clearly that she's not on Ward 26 because the Doctor would be there waiting. Yeah. And someone's trying to get her to follow them. So yeah. So she's picked up a massive metal pole. She's going to fuck some people up. Oh, I just... It's great, you know. Watch out for the disinfectant. The what? The disinfectant. The what? The dis... Oh, never Again, David, the, the way... He really... Goes after every syllable in disinfectant. The dis- disinfectant. David Tennant owns syllables. He owns the alphabet. He owns every... every. Yeah, David Tennant owns the world. He yeah. owns the world. They are both, David and Billy, honestly... I mean, look, it, 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 this is a fact. It's not like I'm saying anything new here. But series two is what really lifted the show off the ground. That is what most people remember because it was so iconic. And their chemistry is insane. Like, I don't think there's anyone with better chemistry out there. Like, forget Kate and Leo. Forget about it. Old news. Billy Piper and David Tennant is where it's at. Especially considering how much chemistry she had with Chris Rokestone as well. Exactly. Like, you watch that first which you think, how can her and someone else have more chemistry? Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. So, something I love, something I only noticed, actually, uh, whilst watching it last night. So the photo bank, love the photo love the score, love everything. Something I just thought was interesting is... Both uh, Novice Haim and Ten, as you say about the Facebook being millions of years old, uh, but that's impossible. And I just think that mirrors really nicely in Series 3, Utopia to be precise, with Ten saying you're an impossible thing, Jack. Oof. And I like that. <sighs> nice little bit God. of synergy. I love synergy. I love... I love consistency. Consistency is a thing I enjoy. Very much so. Especially considering all this was last-minute changes, because Russell was writing this, and then found out they were definitely doing Series 3, so he shifted back to the reveal of Yana to... Not necessarily Yana as a character, but yeah, all of that stuff that was planned, he shifted to Series 3 instead. And you wouldn't know, because it's so organic. That's good writing. It's great writing. You know what else is good writing? A man being petrified... Turning slowly into stone. What a horrible idea. But you can't be looking at the Duke of Manhattan unless you have express permission. We can't be talking about the Duke of Manhattan without express permission. And we don't have express permission, so we should probably stop talking about it. She's my favourite little side character. She's great. But she's also a bitch, because she's like, I have to get out of this quarantine hospital where thousands of diseases could get me at any moment. Girls, I'm off. But who can blame her? Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) But speaking of the face of Bo, something I want to discuss really quickly is when Novice Haim, who I quite mm. like. Yeah, she's very sweet, isn't she? 
yes, she's problematic, but she's a problematic fave. You know, she comes back in Gridlock next series. Yeah. All of that. Obviously, her and the face of Bo are tight. They're very, very close. And, you know, she's like, you know, I just have to maintain his smoke, which, what the hell does that mean? I don't know. Um, but, sure. Uh, and then, <laughs> but then when she was like, <laughs> I sometimes hear him singing in my head, like, ancient songs from, like, long ago or whatever. I just think, is he singing, like, I don't know, toxic in her head? Yeah, yeah, it's it's Jack. Jack's from, I bet, I bet he's just, like, humming in the mood. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> I hear the uh, ancient songs. It's just acting. Like... You get it. You That'd get be it. amazing. That'd be great. But that's probably what he's saying. She's like, "Oh, what a banger! Go on, <laughs> go on, go on, girl. Go, go off, sis. Go off, sis. Um, but yeah, sorry, that just made me laugh. And she was like, "Ancient songs in my head." I was like, "I wonder what they are." Another thing I enjoyed right up top is a lot of the sharp cuts with the funny wordplay. I thought that was really fun. So like when Cassandra's about to call Rose a bitch, Rose says bit rich. Yeah. And it's like cut to, you know, there's one later with, is it arse? I think they try and do. Yeah. She says, so um, Rose uh, is trapped by Cassandra and she's like, right. So you're talking out of your, uh, should I say asshole? And then, Cassandra says, ask not. Ask You're not. Uh, yeah. Ask not. Yeah. It's very clever. I mean, I, I love that bit in the little basement with with Cassandra. What do you think I'm going to do? Flap you to death? I love Zoe Wanamaker so much. She's so incredibly, like, her voice is so unique. And the way she speaks and her cadence, everything, she's just great. Because okay, that's where that line comes from, isn't it? Because that, that patch of skin from Cassandra is taken from the back. Yeah. Rather than the front. Yeah. See, Rose says, that means you're talking out of your arse, not. Yeah. It's very, yes, very good. But then how, so is it that her body was kept somewhere and then those people, those two weird people who were dressed by the scraps of the BBC costume warehouse, <laughs> did they just take her after she was, like, exploded um, and like was like, we need to rebuild her. Like, I don't really get how that works, but you know what? Maybe we shouldn't question it. I think the a sentient flap of skin with lips, <laughs> lips, teeth, <laughs> eyes, and a brain in a jar is probably not going to be the best for logical consistency. <laughs> no, a sentient flap of skin is actually funny <laughs> that's all she is oh my god and nobody should ever ever touch <sighs> no one should ever touch under any circumstances but yeah so Cassandra's back she has a friend Chip who is low key her bitch they get up to some nonsense I love Chip no I love Chip but obviously you know he's there for her physical and general needs mm. And Rose is like, you can stop right there, girl, because I've heard enough. I'm out of here. But there's a, a sneaky trap. There is a sneaky trap, yeah. Which is where the episode just dives into... Camp. Camp. It's looking camp Absolutely. right in the eye. That's what it's doing. <laughs> it's looking camp right in the eye. Because oh, Carly Kloss. Transplanted her brain yeah. into Rose. 
Uh, and it's amazing. And Billy Piper cements herself in history, in the history books, just in general. Just, ooh, baby, it's like I'm living inside a bouncy castle. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be doing this, Billy, it's not fair. One thing that really baffles me, though, is that how they were able to get away with the whole kind of Cassandra kind of sexual innuendo vibes on like a kids show on BBC One. I'm still like, because even nowadays they'd be like, we can't be posting that. Sorry, uh, sorry, broadcasting that. Yeah, like even even I find some of it a bit risque. It's risque for sure. I mean, we thank the BBC for it because we were fed. Yeah, it's amazing. I would not exchange it for the world. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But of course, the moment that shook the earth, uh-huh. broke new ground, killed us all, is the kiss. Right, let's go for it. Because here's the thing. Okay. There's actually no words. No, there's no words. Because I, I too, Cassandra, because that's who is present in that moment. If I saw... Now, here's the thing. David Tennant, for me, is more of an idol. Like, David Tennant is my idol. Like, he is my number one. Like, that's why I don't want to meet him so intensely. Because if <laughs> yeah. that was ruined for me, I don't know what I would do with myself. He is genuinely... That man is such an idol for me. He's a very attractive man... I have eyes. Do you know what I mean? So if I saw series two, David Tennant standing in front of me, hell to the year, let's go. And I mean, he is awestruck. He's literally obsessed. He watches her walk away and then slicks back that down a little bit of hair. He goes, I've still got it. Yeah. Like any of that was down to him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because I made a note about this because, listen, 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 the, the fandom, I feel like personally, is very, very mixed on this. I think it's more towards their for it than against it. But some people really don't like any of the romance between Rose and the Doctor, right? Unfortunately for you lot... It's there. So, you know, we've got to move on. We've got to go for it. We've got to talk about it. And if you don't like it, I don't know what to say to you. I, for one, ship Rose and Ten 
like there's no tomorrow. I they were my first they were actually my first ship that I ever shipped. Um they were my favourite pairing. They are they probably still are my favourite pairing in the whole world. To me, what I found interesting was that obviously when she kissed him, he had no issue with it. Yeah, no there's no protestation. Nope. He just is not expecting it, but is wowed by it. Yeah. As as you should be. Because it's like any other time the Doctor has been kissed by a companion, it's like, oh, God, right, okay, flip. Um, oh, I don't know. Oh, what, I will no. read a manual. Oh, ding dong. I mean, I love me a bit of Eleven and Clara, don't get me wrong, but we will get to it. You know, I just think it's... <laughs> Listen, the Doctor and Rose are in love. If you don't agree, then shut up, because it's the facts. Sorry. If you agree with us, um, and you frequent Twitter, please follow the page Comfort for Ten Rose Stands. Oh yeah, they're a good account. One of my favourite accounts. Just daily Ten Rose content. Makes you feel good about yourself. In fact, on my way home today, I sent one of their photos to Damla. I I um I followed the Rose Tyler one, but I need to follow that one as well. And then you get. Back to genuinely creepy Doctor Who, because the intensive care is actually horrible and creepy. Like, you know, you're seeing they're seeing all of these patients at this because they're they're called to the hospital in the first place by the face of Bo because of the psychic paper, right? And because the doctor can't help himself, he's like, let me just talk to these other people. And then he realises that they have these diseases that are just completely incurable and they're being cured within like an hour of coming into the hospital. Insane, insane results, right? So they do further digging and they find an entire just pit, I want to call it a pit, of people... That have been well. They don't know this yet, but they've been specially grown. Yep. Um, they're like fake humans. They're not fake humans. They're human beings. But they were born in like a lab in like a tube or whatever, and they're basically pumping all of the diseases into them. Um, so they're like lab rats basically, and that's how the sisters of is it the sisters of plenitude, the cat the cat nuns. They are getting the results they need and the money that they need as well. I mean, it's just so morbidly sick. And it gives us... I mean, it gives us lots of things. It gives us uh, pathos, character development, um, an amazing through line sort of running parallel to Cassandra's stories and ideas. But it gives us Angry Ten. I love Angry Ten. Love it. Dramatically love it. posing with his hands splayed across a railing. Like he There's was doing in the that. Christmas Invasion on the balcony outside Jackie's flat. Yeah dramatic hand placement while he just I don't know, I I love I love Happy Ten, I love bouncing around being jovial, talking about Little Shops Ten but I really like Angry Ten The thing is with, so obviously we want to talk about we need to talk about this being David Tennant's proper first episode I honestly think he just hits the ground running from day one, you believe it, you're there with him, you're fully into this era this new era, this new Doctor He's such a big character. He's larger than life. He delivers on all fronts. Just, yeah. But yeah, I love Angry Ten. With I nine, really with ten, I couldn't tell you 
what the first episode they filmed in their block was because Chris and David just fill into that role so well. You know, you like you some some people you can be like, oh, that's probably when they started. But with David and Chris, I'd say Matt for me personally as well. Like he, like you just cannot tell Matt. Matt personally, I can I can tell, but only because it's really heavily known what his first actual film yeah. episode was. Yeah, true. Um, but that's also just a, a taste thing. I don't think he's he's not bad, but there is a, a definite change. It's good stuff. It's very good stuff. But yeah, and then obviously he's clocked at this point. So Rose is acting strange. And it's since she got lost in the lift. And, you know, Rose is like, I'm fine. What are you talking about? And, you know, Novice Home is like, we haven't done anything. And then Cassandra's like, oh, fuck it. All right, clever clogs. Smart pants. Lady killer. She has, uh, she has knockout perfume. That line's ADR. Which line? And she says, wake up and smell the perfume. That's ADR. Mm. Because that's crisp yeah. as well. It's very crisp. Uh, of course, of course, she has knockout perfume. Knockout perfume, which she's been hiding in her boobies. Rose's cleavage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> As she should. Yeah. No, I just like that. I like the disparity of me going for cleavage and she's going boobies. And uh, do you know what I also love about Cassandra is that she has to go the extra way of doing things. Like she can't do it the normal. She has to be so extra. Like, because obviously she wants money. She's greedy, and she ta- asks the sister, two of the sisters, to be like, you know, give me money. And I won't tell anyone about what you're doing here. And they're like, nah, sorry, you know, we have to decline. And she, she's like, I'd advise you to think about this. And then what does she do? She basically, on the level that they're on, opens the doors to all of the flesh people, as they're named, uh, and gets them to basically have like a zombie attack on them. But the cats get their claws out, which is genuinely iconic. Oh, yeah. Who as needs arms when we have claws? That's great, though. I think that's genuinely iconic and amazing. But also, Very they're fun. terrible. They're terrible cats, so I'm glad they get like fucked up by all the yeah. diseased people. Yeah. But I like that. It's very funny. Uh, honestly, from here on out, like, most of my notes are just quotes. I feel really bad. <laughs> it's, no, it's honestly, so this good. episode, it's, it's so strong. It's so strong. And for me, I think the main reason why it's so strong is because you just get all of that fun stuff with Cassandra moving in and out of the Doctor and Rose's body, which is just hilarious. I mean, uh, one of my notes is, is run, which is a line from David Tennant, but then I've just got Rose screams in Cassandra. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, okay, my, my favourite, not my favourite line, but my favourite line delivery of the whole episode is when they run into the basement, you know, Chip gets left behind, which is very sad. But they they run into the uh, they run into the basement and they sort of like see there's them behind them and they close the door and then they go up to the other door. Billy runs up the steps, opens the door. Is more infected there. She slams the door and then she just turns around, throws her arms down. She goes, "We're trapped. What are we going to do?" It's amazing. Actually, you bring this up and I, this is a note of mine. I find it really out of character for Ten when he leaves Chip behind. That just comes across extremely out of character for me. Mm, I think it's um, it's an it's an odd moment, but I think also sets up sort of how he would do anything for Rose because it's got nothing to do with Cassandra, right? It's just I can't I can't let her 
go. No, no, I get that, but I just I I can't imagine the doctor ever leaving anyone behind like that. Hmm. I mean, it's a difficult situation, especially someone like Chip, who is so yeah. innocent and so like, well, innocent to an extent, but like, yeah. But no, it's it's a diff- it's a difficult one, and it's saying it's a, probably a hard it's a hard situation as well because you got to then you either choose helping Chip or you choose following Rose, and if you help Chip, then Rose might get infected, and yeah, her mind's not even there, so you can't even do anything. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's a strange it's a strange little moment. But of course, Chip keeps himself alive by just being incredibly clever. Yep, and he did it for for Cassandra because he's obsessed with her. The mistress. My mistress. That is, I like, I, I, I just, I can imagine Russell writing that, writing that in the script, being like, yeah, I'm going to get him to call her mistress and having a bit of a smile on his face. But yeah, going back to that scene then, when they're in the room, stuck together. I, I, I can't because some of these might appear at the end. What, the quotes? Yeah. There's too okay. many in well, that scene specifically. They go, it's obviously Cassandra basically is forced by the Doctor to go into his head rather than hers because he would do anything for Rose, obviously. And he's like, give her back to me, which also, love that. Very hot, very protective, love that. Um, <laughs> and then he goes, he, she goes into him and she's like, ooh, so many parts. <laughs> Oh my god! But this is the thing; it's quite so, interesting. So, so, so many parts, but rarely used. It's great. Is um, how how it's just the physicality, the physical acting from David and Billy, even when they're like pretending that that uh, Cassandra's essence or whatever you want to call it is leaving them. Like you, you believe it. Do you know what I mean? And we can talk about it because I don't feel it's going to be either one of our favourite lines, and it's in the intro. But yeah, the sort of the shoulder move palpitation that. Tenant does as he does that. Oh, baby, I've been in a samba. Is amazing. So funny. And then, like, when they're climbing up the stairs as well. Yeah, I, that whole scene is great. It's great. So, I just, I love the, the, uh, is it the, the cat grabs Rose's ankle and Tenant's Cassandra's just, because they're all oh, going play for Border String. <laughs> just, again, lines that live in my head rent free. So whenever there's a mild confrontation, is the no matter how difficult the situation there there's is, no, no need, need to, shout. to shout. It's the way it's the reason there's no need to shout. It's great. His delivery is just amazing. One thing that does send me, like, send me in terms of, like, makes me laugh, you know when the cat gets infected and then, like, falls mm. off of the thing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that one shot of her falling is so shit. And what's really annoying as well, right, is as I started this, because I sort of forgot about the rest of it, as I started watching this episode, to get the shots of the hospital and uh, New New York, I was like, actually, the CGI is much better in this. Like, that hospital doesn't look fake. Like, those those shots look all right. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to be really positive about the CGI in this episode. And as it was going on, I was like, oh, no, no, okay. Cat falls down a lift shaft. Like, <laughs> And it just looks... Hilarious. When it came up in the episode, me and because I watched it with my partner, we both just cackled. It's so funny. She's like, Aah! and then she's like going down, like literally, like a, I don't know, I don't know. It's just and yeah. it worked. I mean, it works for the tone of the episode, I guess. Because I mean, this episode is just camp fun, isn't it? Yeah, like at least that's not a death in a serious scene. 
Because that serious would... episode. I mean, then again, there is some where like some falling scenes in Doctor Who, let's say, don't always look the best. Oh, definitely, yeah. <coughs> Clara and the Snowmen <coughs> falling off the cloud. <coughs> it's harder, I guess, to animate a moving background, isn't it? I just don't like falling shots. They're really shit. They're rubbish. Oh yeah, I've I've seen very rare good falling shots. Yeah. So after the cat nun falls down the elevator shaft, obviously the doctor being really annoying is like, oh, can you just get out of Rose? Get out of her now. I do hate that scene. It's like, come on, we've actually got bigger fish to fry here. Like, just fucking get on with it. Um, And he's like, you know, get out of her. And then Cassandra goes into... No, 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 sorry, Rose. Go back into Rose. Then Rose is like... And the doctor's like, no, go back into me. Then goes into the doctor and Rose is like, you need to get out of him. And then he's like, I'm really going to regret this. And then goes into one of the flesh zombie people. And then she's like, sweet Lord, I look disgusting. That extra was giving the most. Well done to you. Oh, yeah. But then obviously goes back into Rose. If any of that made sense to you, well done. Um, (laughs) It's like in Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like in Friends where Phoebe's like, well, they don't know that we know that they know. (laughs) She goes in, goes into the flesh on V so Ten can open the doors without having to be in Rose, so Ten can't, like, protest that Cassandra's in Rose. But then as he opens the doors as they slide through, she launches herself back into Rose just before the door shut. And then you see Cassandra's having a moment of reflection because she's like, all they want is to be touched. They're literally not trying to hurt us, they just want to be touched. Well, I do think that's very interesting as well because... Even during some of the earlier attack scenes when they're sort of clearly framing them as monsters, all they're saying is help us. That's the thing. That is the thing. From day one, day dot, the whole time, there's a story. <laughs> Why am I so dramatic for no reason? <laughs> from day one, yeah. No. No, no, no. They, they, from, you're saying from day one. I was like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's just... <laughs> it's just nothing. Just day dot. And, uh, from day dot, yeah. Uh, <laughs> from the start, Russell's basically revealed that whole thing straight away, being like, they, they just keep saying, help us, please. Help us, please. That's all they're saying. And it's they're really quite chant. poignant and sad and great. And I don't know, I just. And that's what makes the, the wrap up to the episode so much better, I think. Or the sort of the, the resolution to that. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's it's beautiful. Obviously, I love the dramatic build up to it as they open the lift doors and they have to slide down the elevator. I like actually. So after that, and you know, they all go in the hospital and they're trying to figure out what to do. And the doctor is just mixing all of these medis- medicines together, just ripping out of his teeth. Yeah, just the doctor really always has to. Well, the tenth doctor actually only the tenth doctor always has to taste things. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, stuff we've, in his mouth. Yeah, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Yeah, with the about, blood. With the blood, yeah. And he's yeah. like, ah. the, the brain. Yeah, touching the yeah. brain in Daleks in Manhattan. You know, uh, licking the sand in Planet of the Dead. And ripping open IV bags with his teeth. It's great. Um, and he makes a little cocktail. When I was younger, they always looked really tasty to me. I always wanted to drink them because they looked like squash. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, intrusive thoughts just creeping no, in there. No, no, but... no, no, I, no. Even watching it last night, I was like, oh, I could go for one of those. Give me the green one. Looks great. The pink one? A little bit of the yellow one mixed in? Go on, then. 
but yeah, I think it's I think it's a really clever resolution because you got the setup earlier with the shower and the disinfectant. It's, it's just it's beautiful. I don't care. It's beautiful. I think it's it is beautiful. Hopeful, full of joy. Oh, I love it. It makes me it's genuinely quite emotional. It does because it, he like you know opens the lift door up and it's like you know the doctor is in and she just, he just gets them to come in, you know get into the the shower of medicine and pass and the way it works is they have to touch each other to pass on the solution to fix each other which obviously is quite convenient but we're gonna forget about it and move on and then they all you know start to heal and their diseases are going obviously that's not how in real life how it works but again this isn't real so yeah, we don't need reminding i feel like <laughs> it's more convenient than getting all of them to walk into the shower and i just love it and then the, you know what bit really gets me i think i think it, i know is when that random ginger lady goes up to 10 and just hugs him yeah and then and he's, he's like, like... he goes are you right sweetheart it's okay you know and then you know the doctor's walking around and just screaming in joy being like it's kind of almost in like the doctor dances when he's like just this once rose everybody lives and he's like you know these people are completely alive you know slicking his wet hair back and yeah i'm the doctor and i cure them yeah oh it's like yeah he's like that's so tender isn't it just absolutely amazing just like crouched in front of people just be like human beings yeah yeah i love it so much and then, like, obviously, Cassandra is like, did you kill them? And he's like, that's your way of doing things, darling, not my way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's when you get the, I'm the doctor and I killed, I killed them. them. Yeah. And then, yeah, so you get all of that. I mean, obviously, I thought there was way more flesh people than that, but we're going to pretend that <laughs> yeah. budget constraints weren't a thing. Um, and extra yeah, they're all just chilling out in the, in the foyer. Yeah, literally. Um, and then obviously they all get arrested, the cannons get arrested, the hospital is like closed down or whatever. The uh, NNYPD. The NNYPD. But yeah, so you're talking to Rose slash Cassandra and he's like, you know, she's like, everyone's fine and happy. Can't you just leave me? And he's like, no, you can't. And she's like, I don't want to die. (laughs) She's so dramatic. I love it. So they decide. So she decides anyway to switch into Chip, because he yeah. welcomes it. Yeah, I worship the mistress. the mistress. I worship the mistress. I like his accent as well. Sort of Irish kind of. Yeah, he's kind of got like a bit of an Irish accent. And then when he turns, when Cassandra actually goes into him, he just goes really posh, upper class. Uh, oh dear lord, I'm work. I'm a walking doodle. Yeah. Suddenly my finest hour, and suddenly my finest hat. Finest hat. Um, <laughs> I gotta say, in that scene as well, when they're deciding that, uh, when Cassandra leaves Rose, that shot of her falling over into Ten's arms lives rent free in my head, mostly because of the runaway bride. It is rent free, but also it's the look that she gives him, and she's like, hello, and he's like, hello. And they're fully yeah. having a moment. Yeah, right in front of. <laughs> of Chip. Cr- then, crim- criminal Cassandra. But then, know. like, Chip slash Cassandra, like, interrupts because he's like, oh, sweet lord, I'm a walking doodle. <laughs> How many times can I say that in this podcast? That's such a great way to break up like romantic tension between people like, looking at each other's eyes like they've not <laughs> properly seen each other the whole episode. And then, yeah, it's, oh, sweet Lord, I'm a walking doodle. 
<laughs> it's the hands, like, it's everything. So Sean Gallagher, who plays Chip, I just have to like tip my hat off to him because he really goes from comedic, his finest hat, his the comedic gold, and then just goes straight into, I'm dying. And that's good, that's okay. Like, yeah. it just goes from really far... It beautifully bridges that gap. I don't know how, but it does. And the end scene. Oh, I, I just have so much to say. I have so many feelings. Do you cry? I cry. Yeah, I get really emotional watching it. Yeah. It's, it's And again, it's something we say all the time about Russell's writing is I just love. This episode's been camp nonsense all the way through. Then you get the resolution, and the resolution is hopeful, and it makes you feel emotional, but not sad emotional. It makes me feel like it gives me goosebumps. It makes me feel optimistic, and it makes me feel so much joy. And then this little two-minute wrap-up ending, just to sort of wrap up Cassandra's story. So sad. And the thing is, what's interesting about Russell, again, is that like you get these people who are actually very, very shit. Like, Cassandra's actually a shit person. A shit, a really shit person. But you still manage to feel so bad for her, even though she's a dick. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like like Margaret Slavine. Yeah, exactly. We feel for her in Boomtown, but we know all the terrible things that she does. Yeah, and is going to do at that point. Um, But I just find it so incredible how... Ultimately, I mean, what this episode, what I should have said this episode was about was self-love because Cassandra tells herself in the past that she's beautiful and that was the person that called her beautiful for the first time, which is really sad because how did no one else call her beautiful? It's the, it's, when, when, when she first says it and she goes, oh, thank you. But it's the second one where she just sort of realises it's so amazing. And something I was... Zoe's great. And something I was thinking about as well is I think that this episode kind of forgets that the end of the world says that Cassandra is, is a trans character. Yeah. Um, and it's not really touched upon. And maybe a lot of that in this episode, if you consider it, maybe becomes quite problematic because the body swapping and some sort of comments that she makes about different bodies and being different bodies and things. Um, yeah. However, I think if you just had this end scene, or you just want to consider it for this end scene, if it's the first time she's been called beautiful, maybe it's the first time she's been called beautiful as a trans woman um, yeah. by a complete stranger. And I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. some of that heartbreak maybe coming from the validation of being called beautiful is just another layer of emotion on top. It's beautiful, yeah. That I adore. It's lovely, but yeah, like you say... I feel like it is forgotten that Cassandra is a trans woman. And obviously at the time and everything, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I think that's really that that analysis you just made is like, yeah. When you think about it in that from that lens, you're like, oh wow, actually, you know. But then obviously Chip Dash Cassandra falls to the ground, last breath, the last moment of life, being held in her own arms. That's how Cassandra would want to go out though. Yeah, uh, but and then just the way she's—I don't know—she's just so kind. Kind, yeah, because she's willing him on to live, and it's like I have no idea. Who, I have no idea who he is. He just came up to me, poor thing. Yeah, and he collapsed. Yeah. So he's like, "I've got you, sweetheart. It's okay." And you can just see Rose is clinging on for dear life because she's like about to lose it. Mm. And Ten is stoic. 
Yeah, as always. Um, I wasn't stoic or, you know, I, I was just straight up Yeah, I was sad. Yeah. But I think it's a beautiful end to an episode, even though that set is awful. <laughs> yeah. And that so set the, is the cheapest set. So are the 2006 men in their ill-fitting tuxedos and spiky hair. Yeah, just, oh, God. I mean, Zoe looks great. Oh, yeah, yeah, she looks The budget went on her, yeah. I just think that's a lovely, lovely, lovely scene. It's a lovely note to end the episode on. Agreed. Agreed. So. J'adore. (laughs) That's so random, I love it. Um, It's French, it means I I adore. So, that's the end of the episode. So, if you're not familiar, what we do now at the end of every episode is we give our favourite moment, our least favourite moment, our most doctory moment, and our favourite quote, and then we give the episode a ranking. So, Elliot, your favourite moment of the whole episode? Favourite moment? Um, oh, there are so many. It's probably 10 on Ward 26, seeing the face of Bo again. That Just that whole scene, I yeah. really like. Uh, I love... Face of Bo, I love his design, I love his voice, I like yeah. Lovis Haim, just all the sort of words about the face of Bo that him and Lovis Haim share. Just really lovely. It's just a nice little. I obviously, obviously, I love all the insane camp fun. Yeah. Um, but that's like a really lovely little breather moment in the episode that I adore. But yeah, no, that's. No, I agree. I think the face of Bo stuff is. I, I love a bit of. I just love him. Love him. But what's your favourite scene? My favourite scene... Standout moment. I do think it's either... The stuff with, like, David and Billy when, you know, Rose is Cassandra. All of that stuff's great. But I love the last scene is my favourite thing because it's, you know, Cassandra telling herself that she's beautiful and it's just amazing. I love it. It's amazing, to be fair. But... Do you have a moment that maybe didn't work for you? I've already mentioned it. It's um, the Doctor not helping Chip. I found that really out of character. No need to dwell on it. Already said it. That's genuinely just... I find Fair. it really weird. Fair. What about you, babe? Um, I guess if I had to nitpick, maybe really the extreme crisp use of ADR. <laughs> but to be honest, nothing really. Yeah. Start to end, great time, laugh riot. Doesn't mean it's a perfect episode, but I struggle to find anything in it that I would like pick out as being not working. Let's say the really bad shots of the elevator shaft, except the one of the Doctor and Rose when well and Cassandra Rose Cassandra, there you go. Um going down the lift shaft. That's fun. And the Doctor Who Confidential is very, very funny of that. So there are tons of tiny micro elements that maybe don't work, but ultimately it's pretty bloody good. Yeah. Pretty bloody good. <laughs> uh, what is your most doctory moment? I could go for the obvious one, which is when he's in the lift, handing out the solution to the flesh people. However, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go for when he's in the hospital, when the doctor's in the hospital and he's talking to all the patients and... Just the way he just genuinely cares about everyone in there. Yeah. Even before him and Novice Haim have a bit of beef, the way he's like, you know, here's some water for you, you know, you're doing a great job, you know, 
talking about all these people, talking to all these people, you know, Duke of Manhattan, all of that kind of thing. He's just being very, very caring. He's almost like a nurse, you know, going to speak to everyone. Yeah. Almost like a doctor, because, you know, he's called a doctor. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, what's no, your most doctor moment? I don't care. Cliché, but, yes, yeah, the resolution. Um, doctor giving everybody the the mixture, the potion, the solution, and then just wandering around, talking about how much he loves humans. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's inspiring. Makes me a little bit emotional. Yeah. So full of joy. Love it. Love it. Love it. Now, probably the segment that we're going <laughs> to struggle to, you know, pin to one thing. Welcome to the longest segment of this part of the Come Along Pod podcast. Um, what is your favourite quote, if you had to pick one? Uh, Which I you do, don't... because that's the <laughs> format. No, but I always, I always usually end up saying two anyway, don't I? I could do two, fuck it, go on. But I'm I, personal. Personal ultimate favorite is probably um, after the face of Bo imparts some wisdom at the end, and then sort of Star Trek beams himself away. <laughs> Actually, maybe that's a slight criticism. That beam is, is mm. um, yeah. But yeah, and then Ten's just sat there, sort of squatting on his knees, and he goes, "Now that is enigmatic. I mean, that's textbook enigmatic." Yeah, <laughs> I like the way he says it. Yeah, you don't hear textbook enough in media. Yeah. It's such a great phrase. It's that is textbook enigmatic. And he's right, it is textbook enigmatic. It's great. It's great. Okay, so my, my second favourite, uh, and it does go, it does feed into sort of a, a longer line, uh, but personally it's mostly here because of the delivery, uh, which is as Cassandra goes into the Doctor for the first time. And she's sort of running her hands down. She says her first bit. And she goes, oh, he's slim and a little bit foxy. The way Ten says foxy is sublime. It's great. I'm going to say it. And I know it's my favourite quote. I'm going to just say it, right? It genuinely just is. Mine is, I'm on my way, governor. I shall proceed of the apples and pears. Every time she says it, it makes me laugh. And it just is my favourite thing. But then if I had to pick one that's a bit more serious, it's when Ten says, the human race just keeps on going, keeps on changing. Life will out. Lovely. Love it. But no, my favourite is apples and pears. <laughs> yeah, because it's just cheap, isn't it? Old, old Earth Cockney. Old like Earth it. Cockney. Um, watcher. Watcher. On my way, governor. It's great. Oh, bow, big old boat race. <laughs> oh, what an episode. So what would you rate it out of five? Because here at the Come Along Pond podcast, we do it out of five, not ten. Oh, four. Easy. Uh, hard, very, very hard to find faults. Um, I also don't really give 0.5 metrics. Generally, that's the rule. This is something really special. Um... But yeah, so it's not five because I know that there are things coming, maybe later in the season, that I think are fives. Um, yeah. And it's not quite that level, but it's ultimate perfect comfort watch Doctor Who. We'll just just put it on whenever and same yeah. have a great time, have a laugh, but also get that hope and crushing sadness that Ross T. Davis brings to television. Yeah. What about you, my love? I was going to give this a five out of five. But I realised that nostalgia was clouding my judgement. <laughs> Never. 
And because this episode genuinely changed my life, I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. I'm just knocking it down slightly because I genuinely think it's it's in my top five of all time. I'm sorry, it genuinely is. I absolutely adore it. Honestly, fair enough. It's great. Well, there we have it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Come Along Pond podcast where we tackled New Earth. Of course, you can join us next week where we're going to be talking about Tooth and Claw or Tooth and Claw if you're from certain parts of the country. As per usual, you can get in touch with us if you have any comments, questions, queries. We have an email, comealongpondpod at gmail.com. We are on Instagram at comealongpondpodcast. We are on Twitter at comealongponddw. We are on TikTok at comealongpondpodcast. Please go to the TikTok. Uh, We have a YouTube. We also have a Patreon. Patreon, if you just search in the top bar, comealongpondpodcast, we will show up. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're listening to this on... Probably Spotify, but we also are on Apple, I say we're on YouTube. Everything I've mentioned will be found in the description for this episode. I don't think I have anything else to say, except to say thank you, Daniela. No, thank you so much. It's always, always a great time. Tooth and claw. Next week, you've got to be ready. <laughs> got to sink our teeth into that one. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Uh, well, oh uh, god, uh, we we refined the intro, but we're never going to refine the outro. No, never, never. Uh, but incidentally, it's been very, very fun chatting to all of you at home. Yes, and we give you air from our lungs. <sighs> bye then. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. See you. Bye. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Take care. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.